You could have left us here to be like animals, unaware, unconscious, just brute beasts living by instinct. And yet you've given us your image. You let us think. You let us experience moments like this and so many others like we've had in our life, oh God. We know with that great choice to have good or evil, many of us have chosen evil over and over and over again. And we don't know what to do about it. But you've given us another choice to make, to choose you. And I pray, Lord, everyone here chooses you today. And then out of your greatness, you help us to live this new life. Help us to live a new life where the supernatural becomes natural in our world. Just think about right now how great your God was to create this universe. Is there anything impossible for him? Right now, you're going through something that may make you feel that God's not there. Maybe it's too big for God. I want you to rethink that situation and say, great is my God. Great is my God. My God is greater than sickness. My God is greater than financial troubles. My God is greater than relationship, rejection, or hurt and pain. My God is great. And as we sing that again, great are you, Lord. Will you open your heart to receive what we're going to learn today from the scriptures? That we're going to do miracles, not because we're great, but because he's great. We're going to see demons cast out, not because we're great, but because he's great. Come on, we're not going to go to psychics, but we'll tell the future because he's great. Great are you, Lord. We're going to operate in the great power of our God. Great are you, Lord. You're so great, you can use people just like us ordinary folks to do extraordinary things great are you Lord if you're ready to do great things for God let's give it up for him today man you may be seated in the house of God what a great song that the band picked we love you guys thank you just looking at the title today for the sermon for the next few moments, I want to prepare your hearts for what God has in store for us. This is going to be a powerful message. If you want to hold your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can. But I want us to stick right here with the title for a little bit. Naturally Supernatural. Everybody say, Naturally Supernatural. When we talk about the supernatural, oftentimes what people think of is things that are illogical. All, all that religious stuff, that's just illogical. I'm a person of faith. Uh, not a person of faith. I'm a person of fact and science. You ever heard anybody talk like that? First of all, my friends, where did the universe come from? Where did it come from? If God created the universe, the most logical thing you can believe in is, is in the supernatural. Let me give you a syllogism for all those who love logic. Number one, premise one, if God created the universe, then all things are possible with God in the universe he created. Do you understand premise one? 
Premise one says, if God created the universe, all things are possible for God in the universe he created. Premise number two, God created the universe. Now, I know that might be in dispute. We could talk about evidence for that later, but just put it in the premise for right now that God created the universe. What is the conclusion? Therefore, all things are possible for God in the universe he created. If God created the universe, then all things are possible for God. God created the universe, therefore all things are possible for God in the universe. Now that second premise, sometimes people doubt, and they go, well, I don't know if God created the universe. Okay, I put in my premise, what is yours? Go, I'm listening. Tell me. Uh, the big bang. What banged and who banged it? Think about it. I believe in the big bang. I just know who banged it. When we think about what created or who created the universe, it's easy to believe that that person who we call God can do whatever he wants in the universe. If I am the creator of a video game, let's say Call of Duty, and someone in Call of Duty gets their arm blown off. Can I, as the creator in Call of Duty, make a little health pack in the video game that when you touch it, your arm grows back? Is there anything illogical about me, the creator of Call of Duty, allowing you to get your health back in the video game? Have I contradicted anything? Not at all. Now, can God create in this universe things that are contradictory to truth and his nature? In other words, can God lie? No. God is restricted by his own nature. He is truth. He is reason. He is logic. He will not do what is illogical. That would be impossible for him. So in other words, in this universe, can God create a married bachelor? No. Can God create a square circle? No, that is nonsense. Can God tell a lie? No. So can he make a rock that's too big for him to lift? No. God is not illogical. God is truth. God is logic. That's how you understand what I'm saying. And so when we talk about the supernatural, people are like, oh, that's this anti-science. No, it's the basis for science. Let's start again from the beginning, boys and girls. Where did the universe come from that you're studying? Did it come from itself in the natural world or did it come from the spiritual world? If everything in the natural world started at the Big Bang, what banged it and what was being banged? You see, the idea of materialism makes you think everything is just material. And gosh darn it, it just makes sense to think about the world that way. You wake up in the morning on a material bed. You step on the material ground with your material body. You walk into your material bathroom. You see the material mirror. You shout out with your material voice. Ah! And then you start to grab your makeup, ladies, or you grab your toothbrush. Material, material, material. That's all there is. And then you come to church, and it's almost like we're talking make-believe. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, where fairies live, there's this thing called miracles. And then you begin to think to yourself that the universe and the cosmos is so big, 
and your spirit, it's just itty bitty. If there is such a thing as a spirit, it's just itty bitty, just itty bitty. Just right here in your big physical body, itty bitty spirit. And so you would think as if the spiritual was like a grain of sand and all that was material is like the size of Mount Everest. Here's materialism. Dum, 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 dum. Here is spirit. Little grain of sand. Can I tell you it's the exact opposite? God who is spirit made this universe and encompasses it like you would encompass a grain of sand. You are surrounded by spirit. You came from spirit. Spirit upholds every natural law in the universe. Natural law? Oh, oh yeah, those things like gravity. Oh, I believe in that. I believe in that. Where did it come from, Jack? Why don't the knobs of gravity just change every day? Why, why, why aren't we just floating up, going down? Why don't our particles expand, come back in? Why is there a uniformity to nature? Is somebody named Mother Nature in charge of the knobs? Silliness. God, through the Spirit, made the natural world. Now, we who are of Spirit, unlike other objects, like the chair you're sitting on, like the dog that you have in your house, we are made in the image of God spiritually to understand both worlds. We can understand the natural universe. Your dog is not doing science today. So you can understand that. You can understand medicine. You can understand logic. Today, your dog or your cat is not contemplating the law of non-contradiction. You can do all of that in the natural world. And you can also go internally to your heart, contemplate on your conscious soul, begin to understand the things that are deep deeper than just the physical, and so you can live in what we call a dualist universe of spirit and of matter. But where did matter come from? It came from spirit. And so is it any wonder that when our God comes, the Son of God comes, who we believe is equal with the Father, that he just rearranges things in the matter of the, of the world of matter? Water, I'll walk on it. Why? He created water. Dead bodies, I'll raise it. Arms, I'll grow them out. Blind eyes, I'll open. Why? Because for Jesus, it was natural to be supernatural. He knew from spirit is where the natural world came. And so now he, the creator, the programmer, the code writer, is in the midst of his own matrix. He can do whatever gives him glory. Cast out spirits that shouldn't be in material bodies. Oh, spirit, you don't belong in that body. Get out of that body because there's also bad spirits. Isn't that something? And so when we come to the subject of naturally supernatural, let's not think to ourselves, it's the 21st century. I don't believe in all of that stuff. No, that's actually nonsense. You're believing make-believe. Some people say, well, that's magic. Well, it's better than having no magic. In other words, at least the magician has a hat and pulls out a rabbit. You believe nothing exploded. At least a magician has more than you. 
But we aren't believing in magic. We're believing in a God who creates. He didn't need a hat to pull it out of, but if he did, so what? You see, you think we believe in magic. I believe in something greater than magic. You believe in something worse than magic. No magician, no hat, poof. No one even said abracadabra in your worldview, if you believe that way. So for us as Christians and throughout all of the ages as Christians, we have always had this mindset that it's natural to be supernatural. But then over time, what began to happen is people stopped looking for the supernatural and did all the natural stuff. And then over time, that became religious. And then they looked their nose down on people who tried to be supernatural and considered them all frauds. Now, I understand there's some frauds out there that want to sell you holy water for $9.99. Anybody want some holy water $9.99? How about a miracle? Oh, miracle, 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 miracle. Miracle over there for you, boys and girls. But guess what? Just because there's fake uh, hamburger places doesn't mean there's not real hamburger places. Just because there's fake lips and all other kinds of stuff on women's bodies doesn't mean there's real lips and real body parts. Can I hear an amen? amen. Everybody looking like a duck now. Donald Duck's in fashion. What's wrong with y'all? Come on. All that stretched out, doesn't look right, doesn't look normal. Give me my wrinkles, give me my gray hair. Come on, somebody. I'd rather have that than to look like a weird mannequin, a real duck, a weird duck-faced mannequin. But listen to me. When we now get our persecution, because, you know, you heard it here, little tongues, maybe a little, little prayer from someone in the audience. When we get our persecution, it mostly comes, like, from people of religious backgrounds, like Roman Catholics, like, oh, my gosh, what kind of church do you go to? Oh, my goodness, this is a cult. Well, hold on. Let's, let's compare. Can we compare? When you first walk into the Roman Catholic Church and you see that laver of water, was it ever found in the Bible that in the church they had a laver of water? Nope, not there. When you walk in and you smell the smells and you hear the bells, was any of that in the New Testament churches? Nope, no candles. When you see all the saints up there, was that found in any of the New Testament churches? Nope, wasn't there. How about when the guy dresses up in a robe like mother and tells you to call him father? Is that in the Bible? No. How about those little dark closets you confess your naughty secrets to, to Father Tom? Is that in the Bible? No, that's not in the Bible. What about all those golden goblets that you magically hold the communion over and now say we're eating the body and blood of Jesus and I can't touch it and you have to feed it to me like I'm a baby bird? Is that in the Bible? None of that's in the Bible, but what you will see in the Bible is the disciples casting out demons, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, prophesying, raising the dead. I'll take the Bible over your stupid religion any day. Oh, you're so mad at the Catholics. I have Catholic, Catholic family members just like you. I love them, but I hate their stupidity. Can I do both? I love you, but I don't like it when you're dumb. You can love me, don't like it when I'm dumb. How many love your kids, but hate the attitude? How many love your kids, but you hate Fs? Amen. I love my uncles, but I hate Catholicism. It's not in the Bible, folks. So you come over here and point my finger at you. You. Yeah, you over there speaking in tongues. You guys are crazy. Peter spoke in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. Mary spoke in tongues. Matter of fact, we got entire chapters about how to speak in tongues. You know what we don't have? We don't have one prayer to a saint, you oompa loompa. We don't have that. 
We don't have praying to St. Anthony of lost things or the mother of Guadalupe, but I have these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak with new tongues, cast out devils, and heal the sick. That's what I have in my Bible. So people want to point fingers. Oh, you're going to a cult, and you're so mean with the Catholics. I told you I love them, but I got to call them out. What you experience here, whether you like it or not, is more similar than, uh, to the Bible than St. Vidar, St. Mother of Guadalupe, St. Everything You've Ever Been To. You walked into a place where a bunch of people dressed like you, looked like you, and started saying, I'm hearing from God. Believe it or not, that's up to you. Well, I don't understand it. Oh, well, let's go back to what we understand. Let's, you guys want to go there? Because I don't understand spiritual stuff. Okay, let's go back to what we understand. What are you sitting on right now? What are you sitting on? Oh, we understand that. That's probably a bad example, right? Oh, or is it? What are you sitting on right now? Chair. What is a chair made of? Oh, it's made of metal and cushions. What's metal and cushions made out of? Oh, it's made out of these other kind of atomic structures. Oh, getting a little deeper now, right? You understand how that works? Not many of you, but you believe it. Oh, how about atomic structures? Where do those come from? The neutron of that atom. What's in that? Particles. Oh, particles. Oh, you understand particles? Tell me where particles come from. Otherwise, you can't sit on that chair. You see how smart we really are not when we're acting like we're so smart? Well, pastor, explain every miracle to me and all this. Well, I'll tell you, I can't, but I can understand some things. When I pray in Jesus' name, things begin to change. When I wasn't praying, those things didn't change. Just like how you sat your behind on that chair and you didn't understand particles and neutrons and atoms, but it held you up. When I prayed in Jesus' name, I got off drugs. I stopped smoking. I haven't looked at porn in over 20 years. Jesus Christ did something in my life. Now, even a dumb monkey can understand that. You put a monkey inside of a cage and you give it two buttons. One you push monkey, you get electrocuted. The other one, maybe one out of a hundred times, you get a little treat. How many know a couple times of that monkey touching that thing, he's going to stop touching that one right there? How many know if he touches this and every now and then something comes out of it, how many know he's going to keep touching it? I don't want sin anymore. I'm smart enough than that. Are you listening to me? I'm not touching sin anymore, but I'll keep touching on prayer. I'll pray like the Bible says. I'll ask and keep asking. I'll knock and keep knocking. I'll seek and keep seeking because every time I do, I sense God's presence and now every now and then I get an answer. Every time I feel his presence and every now and then I get an answer and I don't have to understand it all to be a part of it. Even a dumb old monkey can do it. Well, monkeys are smart. Okay, well then defend the monkey if you want. But they still throw their poop, eat their young. Listen, they throw their poop, eat their young. You are made in the image of God. Animals are dumb compared to us, and yet many of us do not have the sense of a brute beast. Animal knows, don't touch this. And yet y'all keep touching sin over and over and over and over and over again. 
and you don't touch this, which is prayer, prayer, Jesus, 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 just because you don't understand it. I don't understand how your chair is being held up right now. I don't. I don't understand it, and no scientist does. The best guess they have right now is that string theory operates in 10 to 20 different dimensions, vibrates and causes particles to form atoms that cause atoms to follow these molecules and atomic structures so your chair can be there. But none of us even thought half about that. We just plumped on down and called it faith and trust. And yet when we ask to pray for sick people, you won't pray and trust God. Well, when we pray, well, when we ask you to get demons out your life because you've been tormented by those things, you won't pray and trust because for you, supernatural is weird. Subatomic structures are weird too, but you sat in that chair. You see, I believe in a God of power and of might and of rationality, and I also believe that the world is surrounded with mystery. And in mystery, I can still operate. And so when the Bible tells me, as we're about ready to read, that I'm supposed to get hungry with spiritual gifts and desire to be in this world supernaturally, I'm going. You'll make fun of me? That's okay. I'm still going. I may not always get it right. My batting average may not be as good as the dude on TV. I don't know if his is real though, but I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to speak in other tongues. I'm still going to operate in prophecy, words of wisdom and knowledge, because that's what my Jesus did. And lastly, some of you here today may say, well, man, you know what? Go for it then, Joe. That's on you. But I'm going to stay just right where I'm at with the frozen chosen. Thank you very much. I have no desire to be like that. You can go to heaven riding on a donkey if you want. But I'm going to go in an F-22. Let me tell you the difference between a donkey spiritually and an F-22. Your donkey can't cross the ocean. My F-22 can. Your donkey does not make the devil upset. He'll keep waking you up, messing with your kids, and you'll just have a hee-haw, hee-haw. That's all you'll have to give him back. He comes messing with me. I'm dropping bombs on him. I'm blasting him up in Jesus' name. I'm not accepting my kids living for the devil. I'm not just taking medicine without praying. I'm believing in miracles. And so, yes, you can go to heaven on a donkey if you want. But I want to go being a terror to the enemy flying an F-22, dropping bombs on him. When he messes with me, he regrets it at the end of the day. Because those spiritual gifts are not a necessity for heaven. They were important enough for Jesus to give them to us. Are you ready for the scriptures? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Show me one prayer to the mother of Guadalupe, and I'll pray it better than any Catholic you've ever seen. Show me where I'm supposed to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and it will be the passion of my Christian life. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you uninformed. I don't want you ignorant is another word in a different translation. How many here have been ignorant about spiritual gifts? Let's just be honest. You hung around some frozen chosen people. They called themselves Christian, but they cared more about being Capricorn or whatever. They read the horoscopes. Or you hung around some Christians that said God used to do it back then, but he doesn't do it now. 
or you hung around others that were just weird all the time. They, had, they told them, God told them what, what, what shoes to wear and this and that, and there was really no power in it. It was just superstition. All of that fits under the, the idea of being uninformed and ignorant. And the Bible says, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Now, some of you are ignorant, not on purpose. And so now you're going to learn with me. Are you ready to learn with me? I'm going to share with you all that I've learned over the years and give it to you. I have a spiritual miracle journal above this on our notes. You can see some of the miracles that I've experienced, things that I've gone through as an encouragement to you. But I want you to understand this. I am not the gift giver. The gift giver is Jesus, and he's given out gifts to everybody. So you and I, we're the same. If I've done it, you can do it. And if someone else has done it, we all can do it. So don't be ignorant. Now look at verse 2. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were led astray to mute idols. So these people worshipped idols. Some people worshipped saints, other things, etc. That was their story. Now verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of spiritual people out there, but they don't have Jesus. So the moment we enter the realm of the spiritual world, people are going to start on your job pulling out crystals. They're going to start pulling out yoga mats, and they're going to say, I'm spiritual too. Ask them this, is Jesus Lord? In other words, is Jesus God? If they can't say Jesus is God, our creator, that's what Lord there means, Yahweh equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, whatever spirit they're channeling is not the right one. And the Bible says those spirits can appear as angels of light. Your abuela coming to your house talking about the chorizo she used to make ain't abuela. That is a spirit appearing as abuela to deceive you. This is all you've got to do when abuela comes talking about her chorizos and she wants you to know she's okay on the other side. Just ask her this. Abuela is Jesus Lord. And you'll see that thing screech like you've never heard abuela screech. Or bring me over when Awayla comes. Come over here, Awayla. Let me talk to you. In el nombre Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out right now. You have no authority here, you foul spirit, appearing as a dear old woman. Oh, you say, I'm smarter than that. I can recognize Awayla. The Bible says that even mighty men of God were deceived by spirits. Spirits are real. Spirits can take form, and you're to be in a battle with them, not trying to figure out how to get along with them. The Bible says you are to put on the full armor of God. And so when you start doing this, spirits are going to start coming around you, and so you get ready. Now, some of you might be like, I don't want to do that. Well, then you can be messed with them, messed with by them. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm being messed with. That's the whole point. They got you on easy street right now. They're singing a lullaby to you, but I bet you they're messing with you right now. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to that preacher. Some of your spirits get so mad when I talk like this because you want all religions to be right. You even want your atheist friends to go to heaven like that pope said and all of that nonsense. And when I start preaching like this, you just get angry, and that's the devil saying, hey, don't listen to them. Because if I was just talking about Santa Claus, would you really be that angry? You'd be like, I feel sorry for that idiot. He's talking about Santa Claus the whole time. 
No, but something about when a preacher starts preaching about Jesus and rebuking the devil, it seems a lot more than just he's talking about make-believe. I remember my parents used to drag me to church so often that I would end up going high half the time when I was a teenager because I was always doing drugs after school. And then they would throw me into some concert or something that I had to be at, and I would be high in those places. And I remember when I got there, man, I felt convicted, man. I'm talking about sober-minded real quick on all kinds of drugs. And I would feel, I remember one time I was there, I felt as if Jesus himself had a hold of my heart and was just pressing it like this going, son, I know you, I love you, but I'm going to let you understand you are not living right. You know your inner voice and you know how God is trying to get many of your attentions. I'm here to help, not to hurt. Jesus is Lord. That's the spirit we're following. So nobody be afraid in here. Well, we, we might ask for spiritual gifts and get possessed by Satan. If you're coming to Jesus asking for spiritual gifts, you're not getting the chupacabra spirit. You're not getting the spirit of Satan. You're getting the Holy Spirit. Jesus specifically said, if a child asks their parents for bread and the, and the parent knows, even a sinner parent, even somebody living wicked, a gang-banging parent, a, a corrupt parent, they still know how to give their own children bread. How much more does the, whole, the, the father know how to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask in Jesus' name? But let's keep going. Verse 4, there's different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Somebody say, in all of them and in everyone. Say it again, in all of them and in everyone. Are you in everyone? Are you in all of them? Then you can have as many as you want today. Praise God for that. Spiritual gifts are distributed to everyone and all of them. I'm here to help you. I want you to be spiritual. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be filled with the power of God. I want you to win in your spiritual battles. I want you to have the truth, not just for my sake, but the Bible, for God's sake, for your sake. Now, let's go to verse 7. Now, to each one. Somebody say, I'm in each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So why are the gifts of the Spirit given for the common good? Why has God allowed me to know the future at times so I can start my own ministry and charge you money to give you a prophecy like a psychic, like Cleo, Cleo the psychic? No, God has told me things about the future for the common good. Why has God told me things about people's past before? Is that so I can make them feel dumb and make them feel embarrassed or ashamed? No, for their good, to get over their past. Why has God healed people in this church? To have us sell healing or to have you watch the, uh, the crying bridge of Mary? I remember when that was popular, the crying bridge. And yet they call us uh, fanatics. That's a cult. My friend, you are literally putting roses at a bridge water stain. And you think we're the weird ones. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that anywhere in sane people's lives. Who looks at toast and finds images? Who looks at water state? I mean, come on. Are you listening? But I can show you in the Bible where they spoke in time. I'm going to show you. Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. Well, the Bible was just the book written by man. Yeah, so was the math book. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Man can get things right every now and then. Have you ever thought about that? 
Yeah, so was history and a whole lot of other things were written by men. Whatever you're believing right now was written by a man, unless it came down from an alien. Can I meet them if they're talking to you? We learn from men. We learn from women. We learn from people. We don't learn from animals. Maybe you learn how to be a kind person or something. You know, a, a therapy dog, that's awesome. But he doesn't communicate with you the deep things of your soul and the meaning of life. Can I get an Amen. Okay, I have a friend who does work with therapy dogs. I love that. But listen, you are only taught and given truth by people. That's it. And there are spiritual people. Angels are people. They're persons. They're not human people. They're angelic people. Is everybody following there? And those things can come to you. And God can visit you through angels. And God can give you dreams and visions. And God can do all of these wonderful things right here in your life. And he wants to. It's up to you whether or not you want them. So here they are. To one, there is given the, through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Let's just stop right here. I'm not going to slam it this time. This has been like my illustration for a while, and I love it, but I'm going to set it down gently. Did you see what I just talked about in the Bible? Then that means I have ground to stand on. Hello? That's the ground I stand on, which is right there. Show me a prayer to St. Anthony of lost things in the Bible, and I'll stand on that. Show me the prayer to Mary, and I'll stand on that. Does everybody get the illustration? What I stand on is what I stand for and how I live. What do I stand on and stand for in this church? Spiritual gifts talked about in the Word of God. I need a bigger Bible. Hard to stand on this one. Some of you are like, you abuse it. No, you abuse it when you don't use it. I'm using it right. Come on, somebody. I'm not abusing it. I'm using it. And some of you, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And you're going to forget what we were teaching you. And you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt and go, how did I get here? And you're going to not understand how you got there. This is how we avoid going to that place called there, down the road where we don't want to be. We get ourselves spiritual gifts. The Greek word for gift is charisma. The Greek word for grace is charis. The idea of having charisma, gifts, comes from God's grace. That's why they're called gifts. They are given to us. If you don't use them, you will lose them. If you don't study and put yourself into the place to learn them, then you won't be good at them. When we were talking about the chair, we don't know everything about string theory, but we know a lot about some other stuff about the chair. We know a lot more as it gets bigger, right? Like we know the most about cotton and metal. We know a, a, a little bit more than, uh, uh, you know, about, about particles, uh, excuse me, atoms, but we don't know a lot about the particles. So we start with what we can know, like what's more of 
available to us and we work with it. What is most available to us right now? God loves us. He has gifts for us. Start working on that. Just start right there. God loves me. He, he wants me to use gifts for his kingdom. I may not understand all this, but I'm going to get deeper. Somebody say go deeper. And as I go deeper, I'll become more understanding of these things. And yes, there will always be a place where you just bump into mystery. Okay, I've prayed for the sick person. They didn't get healed. I don't know why. I've, I've asked God to know about your future to help you make this, this decision, young man. I'm not getting anything. I don't know why. Yes, you'll run into those places just like we don't know why particles hold together. We don't know, you know, we don't know why, but we can work with the things we do know. And so what I do know is these are real. These are real, and these are the places where we need to study to understand them. And let's go to the last verses that I have there. Last verse, rather. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. Who does the work? The Holy Spirit. Who does the healing? Who gives us the words of wisdom and knowledge? The Holy Spirit. Who does the, the miraculous powers? Who does it? I mean, who split the Red Sea? Was it Moses or was it the Holy Spirit? See, it's the Holy Spirit. Who walked on? Who gave Peter the ability to walk on water? Him because he was such a great person or the Holy Spirit went right there under H2O and made C-O-M-E make, it, make him walk on water? H2O can't hold you, but C-O-M-E can because if God says come, the one who put the code in there can now hold you up on there. And the Holy Spirit surrounds everything. Where do you think it came from? It came from the Spirit. And so he, the Holy Spirit, works all of these, and he distributes these gifts just as he determines. Okay, so let me introduce you to the two ways to think of those who believe in the gifts of the Spirit who are Christians, okay? Just stay here on the notes for me, please. The first way to think of people like ourselves is to understand us as being Pentecostals. Everybody say Pentecostal. Thank you. Now, the reason why we're Pentecostals is because we identify with when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. That was a Jewish holiday. God sent his Holy Spirit, and that's the first time they spoke in tongues. We'll read that in just a moment. That's where it happened. Now, why do you think Baptists identify as Baptists? What do you think they're identifying with? Baptism. Baptism of water, aren't they? We identify with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So yes, we believe in the baptism of water, but also of the Holy Spirit. So I like to call myself Bapticostal. Put them both together. Put them both together, Bapticostal. So we're like the Baptists. We love baptism of water, but we also identify with the Holy Spirit. The other thing is I was teaching you that word, charisma, which means gifts. We're also charismatic charismatic. And what that means is we believe in gifts because that's the Greek word, charisma, used continually in these uh, verses. And so we believe that gifts are still here, that the gifts did not go away when Jesus went to heaven, which that's what some people say. Are you Jesus? Like, really? Can you do what Jesus did? And then they get all upset that we're trying to do what Jesus did. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought Jesus was my example, not Oprah or Harry Potter or whoever else you're following. I thought I was supposed to be like Jesus. Well, you can, but not like this. Well, hold on. I thought Jesus said the works I've been doing, you'll be doing. Well, you'll be doing the other stuff like feeding the poor. After he multiplied it out of two fishes and five loaves like that? 
Well, no, just the other stuff. Oh, so basically, I'm supposed to be like Jesus minus the miracles. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of nothing. I mean, think about that just for a minute. I want Jesus, but without the miracles. My friends, are demons still on the planet? I think we can all agree that there's still some demons here. They need to get cast out in the name of Jesus, don't they? Are there still sick people here? We better be praying for them. Come on, somebody. And so people who talk like that are honestly going back to the verse 1 of chapter 12. They're being ignorant. You're supposed to be like Jesus because Jesus wants you like him. Jesus wants me to have spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, let's, let's go through this real quick. Is it humble to receive a gift I paid a high price for to give you? Is it humble to refuse it? Let's say I've worked three years to save up, to buy you a car, and I know you're in need of it. And I come to you, and I give you the keys, and I go, it's, it's been my joy to work three years to give you this car. If you say, I can't take it. I just can't take it. I'm not taking it. Does that honor me? Like, literally, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, no, I know. I, I mean, I know you're a little humbled by it, but no, please take it. Because, like, this really means a lot to me. And you're like, no, I'm not taking it. Is that humble? Jesus literally died on the cross, rose again so we could have the gifts of salvation and of the Spirit. And some people are going, I just, I just don't want it. You keep it. And Jesus is like, nail pierced, hands, feet, mean anything? Ephesians says, when he ascended on high, he sent the gifts down. And you're now saying that the resurrected reigning king of kings is giving stuff you're okay without? Like as if Jesus was that cheesy car salesman, nothing against good car salesmen or women here, but he's that one going, you really need serious uh, radio. No, you really need it. And, and you're like, no, really, I'm okay without it. iTunes or Spotify is just fine. No, you need the 999 upgrade. You need this. So you really think Jesus is saying to you, I'm just trying to push a whole bunch of extras on you here so that I get more commish up in heaven with my father? Or do you think that literally he's looking at us getting beat up on the playground by the devil continually, and he's like, I'm working so you can take some jujitsu classes. I'm working so you can learn how to whoop that bully's butt. I'm giving gifts for you to have power and authority because life's not just about you and your comfort zone. It's about the good of all people being blessed by them. When demons are cast out, that person's happy. When somebody's healed, that person's happy. When somebody hears about their future from you, that person is blessed. Don't you want to bless people in life with gifts that God has given you? Now, I don't have time to get into all of my notes because there is a lot there, but would you scroll down to the baptism of the Holy Spirit portion? It's going to be a chart with check marks. It's going to be maybe a little bit further than that. Keep on going. Please and thank you. A little bit more. Keep on going. So much to go over, but so little time. I've literally only read the passage. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Everything you just heard about was not what I have talked about yet. I mean, what you just saw was not what I talked about. Okay. Now, if we look at the Bible, how many believe the Bible's our playbook? 
Okay, now if you're wanting the Communist Manifesto to be your playbook, we got to have another discussion, okay? If you want the Bhagavad Gita to be your playbook or the writings or sayings of Buddha to be your playbook, that's, that's, that's another discussion. Does everybody get that? But how many believe the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me? Okay, so now, now this is what we got here. The book of Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles. It shows you what happened when the Holy Spirit came. So what was it like when the Holy Spirit came upon them? Were they like what we call Pentecostal, charismatic, or were they like the frozen chosen that looks like they've been sucking on lemons the whole time, just sitting in church listening to the preacher preach for a half hour? Well, you can start in Acts chapter 2. Let's go there. How many want to go there? Let's just go there. Let's just read and do likewise. How many believe we should be like the Bible? Okay, more like the Bible, less like SpongeBob SquarePants, right? Isn't that good? Somebody laughed in the back. He got it. He's like... I don't think we should be like SpongeBob SquarePants. He's funny, but we shouldn't be like him. If I'm being like the Bible, then that means when I read things in the Bible, I should see it, right? Brothers, let's put it up there, please. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, do you understand why we're known as Pentecostals? I'm not saying you can't be a Christian unless you're a Pentecostal. Not at all. I'm just simply saying, do you understand why we identify with the name Pentecostal? Okay? We identify with that because we identify with this day. It's a very important day. The Holy Spirit came on down. Remember, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father's always been in heaven. Son comes down to visit with us in the Old Testament, comes back and forth. But then he's born of a virgin, takes on flesh, lives and dies, resurrects, ascends back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. What did he say would happen when he went there to let us know he did what he said he was going to do? He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit will be with us for always. And where the Holy Spirit is, Jesus said, there is the Father and the Son. Though they're separate persons, they're not separate beings. Three persons, one God. They share the nature of God. Therefore, where the Holy Spirit is, there is the nature of Jesus. There is the nature of the Father. Does that make sense? When I say Jesus lives in my heart, I don't mean little Dito Jesus is there in my arteries. What I mean is the Holy Spirit is in my inner being, bringing me the person of the Father and of the Son. Amen? So here's the day he's poured out. Here's the day. It's not just about priests and prophets and temples anymore. Now it's about all of us getting to experience what God has wanted from the beginning in the Garden of Eden when he breathed into us his spirit and we walked in his glorious presence. We lost that because of sin. Now we get it back. Though we are still in our jar of clay, our dust body, we get to experience the divine, the power of God, the spirit who hovered over the deep now hovers in you. Amen. When the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. That's cool. I'd like to have that happen, but that might not happen too much. But let's keep going. Let's see what does happen. Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Who was in this house? Mary was in this house. Peter was in this house. James and John was in this house. Okay, so unless we start the religion of the blowing wind house, fire on your head religion, let's keep going and see if there's one thing we see every time the Holy Spirit comes. Is it the, is it the blowing wind? Is it the fire on their head? Or is it the speaking in tongues? Is that cool? So go back to the notes. I said, is that cool? Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Checking the notes, making sure we're on track. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Let's see what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in Cornelius' house. He was a Roman soldier. He had had a vision about Peter and them preaching the gospel. He said, send Peter on over, man. I got to hear about this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all or some. How many did the Holy Spirit come on? All or some. How many of y'all getting the Holy Spirit today? All or some? All. All. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, no, I'm scared. I don't know if I can trust him. He's yelled at me so much. He's called all my Catholic friends' names. He's called a monkey dumb. I don't know if I want it. First of all, it's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, even if I was wrong, can God still be right? Can a drunk person tell you which way the lake is if he's sober enough? I mean, he's drunk, but you're driving, you're driving west, and, he, and you're like, I'm lost. And you're like, which way is the lake? He can be like, it's over there. Not there. Over there. How many know if I have enough intelligence, I can at least say, go on Jesus. He'll do something. Even if I don't have all the details right. So you, you're not really, let's just get this. When, when you're listening to a preacher, you're not really messing with me. You're really deciding what you're going to do with God. Okay? So they were there. And the Holy Spirit came on all. Now, let's notice. Does the house get wind? Does there come fire? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what remains the same in every situation. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift, there's that word gift again, of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them what? Speaking in tongues and praising God. Okay, let's go back to the notes. Let's go back to the notes because I took time to do this for you guys. Okay, Acts chapter 2, what happened? Tongues, wind, and fire, right? Tongues, wind, and fire. Acts chapter 10, what happened? Tongues, praise God. Does everybody get it? Let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Are you working the word today? Have you found that prayer to St. Anthony yet? Have you found it yet? I want to know. When you find that prayer to St. Anthony, how many like the way I say Anthony? Little Italian there, little St. Anthony. Ask St. Anthony to help you find your keys. Got a little statue St. Anthony buried in my backyard. St. Anthony helps me find lost things. Show me the prayer to St. Anthony. I've showed you now twice where they spoke in tongues. One time there were some fireworks. There was some stuff going on, some wind and fire. Other time, nothing. But people spoke in tongues. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. Paul here is hanging out with some folks starting in verse 1. We'll start in verse 1 so people can see the context, please. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. What were they? Disciples. So he found some disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. So we find out that these guys must have got disconnected from Jesus after the death, burial, and resurrection. So all they know about is what John was preaching, which is cool, but they're now needing to get rebaptized because Jesus has a new baptism and they need to get the Holy Spirit, the boom shakalaka. Can I hear an amen? So he says, well, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Now, Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were all baptized in the name of who? The Lord Jesus. See, you all watching this up here. This brother's in some lost space right now. 
That's why we got to help you. You're in the wrong translation. You got to scroll all the way to the left. Left. To the left, my brother. There you go, to the left. There you go. There's, there's home. There's, there's, that's going to feel good. That's going to feel right. See, there we go. Thank you. Let's give it up for Alex in the back. He's doing awesome. It's not as easy as it looks. He's doing great. So let's start again. Verse 4. Paul said, John's, uh, Paul said, what baptism did you receive? And they reply, John's baptism. And then he says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told you to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Thank you on hearing this. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and what? Prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Let's go back to the notes, please. Hmm, what do we see here? Hmm, I don't know, I don't know, but I see something cooking up here. I'm just in a good mood for second service. Is it okay if I have fun with you guys? What do we see here? Well, Acts chapter 2, tongues, wind, and fire. Acts chapter 10, tongues, praising God. Acts chapter 19, tongues, prophecy. What do we see in every single instance that is the same? Tongues. Now, there's one time in Acts 8, 13 through 19, says the Holy Spirit came, and there's no manifestations. But because 10 and 19 come afterward, we probably just think Luke wasn't writing it down that time because we know that in the other times, the Holy Spirit brought manifestations. Now, just go to Mark chapter 16. You heard me preaching it before. You know, Pentecostals, we yell it, but we can also tell it. Is that okay? Don't always just have to yell it up here, but I do like to yell a little bit. But now we're not just going to yell it. We're going to tell it. Go to Mark chapter 16, and then I'll hopefully put a conclusion on this for your benefit. How many need some gifts of the Spirit today? How many are going to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? Okay, look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany them that believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. We got that coming. You guys got the poison snakes coming out? I'll be waiting for that in just a moment. And they will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Because of that one portion right there, people all want to toss it aside. All that means is you'll be invincible until God says it's time to go home. The Bible says Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake. He shook it off and kept going. Later on, not written in the Bible, but in history, they tried to poison John the Apostle. He drank it and he kept going. They were like, my goodness, we can't stop these guys. That's all it means. I've heard the story of missionaries where they should have been killed. Guns pulled on them, but bullets didn't fire. Okay, miracle, miracle, miracle. In their day, snakes and poison would have been the way they tried to sneaky get you. But God said, I'm going to protect you. But you look at those three signs that are just so clear. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to speak in tongues. You're going to heal the sick. Paul expands on that because he's, he's blessed by the Holy Spirit to teach us more about the gifts. Let's go back to the notes, please. And so when we look at these gifts, we're to take them serious. So if you scroll up just a little bit, you'll see I have all the gifts up. That's going down. If you go up, please. You'll see I have all the gifts lifted out, and now it's going to be up to you and I to how serious we take them. Now, before we get into it in closing, I just want to read to you, just want to read to you a portion of Scripture that many of you have heard at weddings before, and answer this now. Tell me if something sticks out. Maybe you didn't hear it before at that cute wedding when that person was reading it or something. But tell me now if it sticks out. I'm not going to put it on the board, but just listen. 
If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. How many have heard that? And then it goes on. Love is patient. Love is kind. What's that first part about tongues of men and angels, though? The next time you hear something like that in the middle of the wedding, you just need to go, I speak in those tongues of angels, y'all. I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And people will look at you like, hold on. What are you talking about? Well, you, you just read it. Tongues of men and of angels. You think in heaven they're going, que paso, what's going on? Hey, what's up? In heaven, they have languages, multiple languages, the Bible says. They can speak ours. But when we speak in tongues, we're speaking their kind of languages. Now, that's the one that we see as popular. And the reason why tongues is maybe more popular in Pentecostal or um, charismatic churches is because we believe that's the sign that we've been given the power. But these are the gifts in their entirety. There's more than just speaking in tongues. The gift of the message of wisdom, a message, about, a message from God about the future. See, this is what people would call a psychic for, but God can give this to his people. Remember, there's no big eyes, like I'm a big eye on the stage and you're a little you. No, it's for everybody. When you have questions about the future, ask God. He gave some of that knowledge to Agabus one time in the book of Acts. All of these will be biblical examples, but I've also seen them in my life. Number two, the gift of the message of knowledge. This is when you know something about somebody in the present or the past that only God would know. Jesus meets the woman at the well, and he says, go call your husband. I love Jesus calling her out. Hey, hey man, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had eight. You've had eight. All of them have not really been your husband. They've been your booty call, so go get them unless you want to repent and get right. See, that's Jesus. See, y'all ain't ready when Jesus starts talking about baby daddies and all of that. You want just the Jesus that tells you he's your shepherd and you're one of his little sheep. Jesus talked to the woman and said, go get your baby daddies. Go get those hookups. Go get those one-night stands, unless you want to repent and get real. And she did. She repented. She said, well, I don't want to do that. I want to serve you. How do I do that? So we can know things about people's past, but we don't do it to embarrass them. We do it to help them. So if you're struggling with something in your past and you can't get over it or you don't know what's in your past that has you stuck, ask people to pray for you with spiritual gifts and ask God to give you maybe the insight into that. Like I said, does it always happen? No, but I've been pushing that button enough to know something comes out of there. And I, every time I pray, I feel God's presence. The gift of faith. That's a supernatural ability to do what you normally couldn't do. How does Peter walk on water? God gives him that gift. Now, is Peter any different than you or I? Did he deserve it? Peter, you deserve it. Go ahead, walk on water. Peter didn't deserve it. You and I don't deserve anything. A gift is a gift is a gift. God gives them. God gave it to Peter. I don't know about the other boys in the boat. Maybe they didn't want their gift, but we know Peter went and used it. And then he tried to give it back when he got out there because he got a little scared, didn't he? And then he got carried back in the arms of Jesus. You can just see like this big burly dude just nestling in the arms of Jesus. I feel so safe now, Jesus. Thank you. Please bring me back to the boat. But he had to practice. Somebody say practice the gifts. Practice them. One time I was out snowboarding and I was going up the lift with a guy. And, and as I was going up the lift, I just wanted to talk to him, get to hang out with him. So I said, man, what's going on? What do you do for a living? And he said he was a janitor. Some of you have heard the story before. And the moment he said that, I was like, I don't feel right. And God told me he's not a janitor, he's a police officer. 
So we get up there, and I don't say anything. We go down the hill again, and then we go back up again. And while we're going back up, he looks at me, and he says, man, I lied to you. And I go, what did you lie to me about? And he said, well, I'm not really a police officer, uh, a janitor. I'm a police officer, and I don't like telling people because, you know, they don't like police officers, et cetera. I then tried to preach the gospel to him, but it was like talking to a brick wall. You know, it's like, oh, I know all that, whatever. What do you think would have happened if I would have said back to him, you're not a janitor, you're a police officer. How many know I got his attention to talk about Jesus now? But see, I missed my opportunity, but I got my own practice. I'm going to get better at it. I'm not going to be so afraid or shy. And a great way to do it is to bring it up as a question. You know, I'm a Christian. Can I share with, with, with you with what God put on my heart while we were talking? Most of the time people will say, yeah, you know, unless you hurt them. They're going to be like, no, don't hurt me. But sure, you can share with me whatever you felt, you know. And you just go on a limb and go, well, I felt God tell me that wasn't your job. That's weird, right? I mean, he told me you were a police officer. Any truth in that? Just go for it. And if they say, no, you're an idiot. You stop talking to that God, you know. It's like, Okay. We'll talk to my pastor and figure this out and go back and study more because I just got really embarrassed right now. But you're going to work on it. You're going to get better at it because gifts of the Spirit take time. And I know some of you are like, in the Old Testament, if they had it wrong, they stoned them. Yeah, because God spoke to them differently in the Old Testament. He had verbal communication with many of them, burning bushes and all of that, and they were a select few, and that was for governmental leadership. If you were wrong, a lot of other people were going to die too. They were going to war, doing all those things. When the Bible says in the book of Acts, he puts it on sons and daughters. I don't think that the sons and daughters and handmaidens that are prophesying, if they get them wrong, we take our daughter out back and stone them. We are now a part of the priesthood, and we're learning by the Spirit. If you go into heresy, we'll help you. If you're, if you're putting your own words in there, discerning people will help you. Next one, gifts of healing. Notice it's the only one in the plural. All the rest of them, gift, gift, gift. Here's gifts. This shows us that the Bible predicted long before psychology and all of these things, there would be multiple needs of healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. God heals all of those things. And you can see Jesus healing blinded eyes. Next one, miraculous powers. These are things when God does what only God can do. Shakes building, brings in the wind. Uh, in other churches, and even now today, you'll see sometimes clouds come in or, or fires show up. Like we saw in the book of Acts, he's still doing it, y'all. Let me tell you a testimony of Carlos Nicandia from Buenos Aires, Argentina. A businessman, middle-aged, gets saved, and he starts reading the Bible, and he's like, I want to do this. So he goes to his pastor, and he says, can we do a campagna, you know, set up a tent, do something out in the neighborhood, let people know, we'll pray for them. If they are tormented by evil, we'll pray for the demons to go. The pastor, you know, gave him some instruction and some help, and eventually he did it. First night, not everybody, but somebody got healed. Guess what happened the next night? More people came, then others got healed. Maybe not everybody but others got healed. Guess what happened five years later? They filled up the soccer stadium. Read about the Argentine revival. I talked to him. I met him. And I asked him, I said, how did you even do this? Now, of course, he wouldn't recommend this today. But I mean, back then he said, I would be coming home from work after making tools, all of these things. He would make parts for machines. He said, I would have my Bible on the, uh, the chair, the car seat next to me. I'm looking down driving. Of course, don't do that. But he said, I'm putting together the messages. He said, I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't even a Bible college student. I was just a businessman who said, God, use me. I'll take some gifts. I'll take some gifts, Jesus. If there's gifts to pray for people, what do I lose? 
Some people are like, well, you guys won't take medicine then because you only believe in miracles. That's not us. I don't know who you heard that from. In the Bible, the book of Luke is written by a doctor. In the Bible, they had the balm of Gilead. You're supposed to live healthy, take medicine, do everything you can to natural and pray. Can I walk and chew gum at the same time? I think I can. So as long as my miracle for my eyesight hasn't come, I'm wearing glasses. And we shouldn't put each other down because I don't know why you push the button and it comes in three and I push it in a hundred and it still hasn't come. But all I know is that I pushed the button for other things and God has showed up. God has changed me. God has done miracles. Uh, the next thing is the gift of prophecy where we speak on behalf of God. How many know your name's not in here? We're at least not you referring by that name, you know? And God wants to speak to you by name. So how is he going to do that? He can do that in your heart, but he can also give me a word for you. Hey, I was praying for you, Augustine, and God wanted me to tell you. He's, in, he's watching you. He's looking over you. He's involved in your life. Did I counterdict scripture? Did I try to write the Bible again? No, all I'm doing is doing exactly what the Bible said we're supposed to do, and that's to speak to others what we believe God is saying to them. Isn't God still alive? Isn't he still moving? And we see that in the Bible with Paul and the jailer. The next one, distinguishing between spirits. We need to know the difference between what's a good spirit and what's a bad spirit. That's why so many spirits come as our relatives and try to deceive us. The Bible says that they can even say things that are true. So with this one woman, she had a spirit on the inside of her. She's a young girl, actually. She was following Paul, and she was causing a commotion, but nothing she was saying was wrong. She was like, These, this is a man of God. These are powerful people. And eventually, Paul discerned, that's an evil spirit, cast it out. Now, you might be like, well, why cast it out? She wasn't telling lies. But the commotion she was making, the noise, Paul knew even though her words were saying the right thing, her heart wasn't right, and there was a spirit behind that. Okay, let's go to the next two. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now, quickly turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14, and then we'll close out. How many have learned something today? How many are ready to be in every person or in all and receive these gifts? Amen. Just quickly, look to 1 Corinthians 14. Sometimes people say, well, tongues, man, it's weird. I don't understand it. Why should we have to do it? Read the Bible again. There's three chapters devoted to this, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's a lot of Bible um, real estate, isn't it? Like three chapters of your Bible, that's a big deal. That means that God takes it serious. So what does it say? Follow the way of love and what? eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Because some of you just want to be like, I just love God. I don't need all those gifts. I just love God. Okay, that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to love people. Can you do the other part? What does it say? Follow the way of love. Come on, read it with me. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. We read from 12. We understand them now at least a little bit. Maybe not as much as we understand string theory, but do you understand it as much as you understand cotton and metal in a chair and it works? Do you understand it that much? Basic stuff, right? So follow the way of love and desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So when I speak in a tongue, do you understand me? No, I don't even understand myself. God understands me. When am I supposed to speak in a tongue to you? When God gives me an interpretation. That's why it's one of the gifts. 
So in my prayer time, and we can pray together in church, we speak it to God, but in our edification time, we ask for the interpretation. And then lastly, in verse 13, just in case you think speaking in tongues is weird, look at what it says. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. So if you want to know what you're saying, ask God to give you the information, okay? Well, I want to know what I'm saying, God. Well, ask God to tell you. Maybe he will. But then notice what he keeps on saying. It says this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Now we're in 14. Thank you. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. How many know when you're speaking in tongues, your mind's like, I got nothing. Don't really know what's going on. You can look it up, speaking in tongues brain scan. I actually have the author's book, a neurosurgeon, uh, a neurologist, put us on the brain scans while we spoke in tongues. Nowhere is it lighting up the region of language, not even like a babbling child. That, that, that's not showing up. We are in a different place of the brain. He scanned the brains of Buddhist chanting. Guess what? They're not only lighting that place up on average in the same place, but more than average. Because what are they doing? I'm thinking about not thinking. I'm thinking about not thinking. Come on, nothingness. I'm nothing. I am a nothing. I am floating on the clouds of nothing. Literally, what they think is clearing their mind, is doing nothing but just channeling their thoughts over and over. And they did the same thing with the praying nuns. Our mother full of grace, blah, 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 blah. Same thing, lighting up the lobes of your language, of your cognition. It is all there, baby. When we're speaking in tongues, Paul prophesied it, predicted it a long time ago. My mind's going, I got nothing on this. <laughs> no idea what's going on, boys. Now, if someone's ever come up to you and been like, we're going to help you speak in tongues. I'm going to pray for you, and then you say back with, with me, I bought a Hyundai, but I should have bought a Toyota. I bought a Hyundai, but I should have bought a Toyota. I bought a Hyundai, but I should have bought a Toyota. I bought a Hyundai. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Come on, take them, Holy Spirit. They're doing it wrong. We don't start with using your mind to trick you to talk, talk in tongues, okay? It's not like the Holy Spirit needs our help. Come on, take them, Holy Spirit. Like we're running with the, person, the child on the bike. Okay, I should have bought a Hyundai. I bought a Hyundai, but I should have bought a Toyota. I bought a Hyundai, but I should have bought a Toyota. Take it, Holy Spirit. No. Here, here's how you receive the Holy Spirit, just like you receive salvation. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins, and I ask you to change my life. I am yours forevermore. That's how you receive salvation, right? How do you receive the gift of the Spirit? says they were praying. You can receive it through prayer. Other times, they just opened their heart while the preaching was going on. Another time, Paul asked, do you want to receive it? And he laid hands on multiple different things. But how do you do it? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Whatever sounds and utterances you give me, I'll speak out. That's it. And when you begin to speak in other tongues, no one understands you unless they interpret spiritually. But God understands. And it's a mystery. And that mystery is to open up the realm of the spiritual gifts so that you and I can be in this world with the power of God. He wants you to have the power of God. And this church wants you to be a part of it. Let's get Rachel to come. I'm reading my last scripture. If I said it was my last on this one, I'm so sorry. Shouldn't lie in church. So let's go back to the notes. Last scripture on the notes. All the way down. No time for that. No time. No time. They got to go. They go, don't tease me now. Go back up. Go back up. Go back up. There we go. A little bit higher. A little bit higher. There you go. 
Here's what we're going to do. Guess what? The Bible actually ends with the instruction manual. Now, I say this one last time to be sassy. Tell me which church this looks like. St. Mary's, St. Vitor's, or the one you just went to. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most, one should speak, and then the other one interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to... Gentlemen, help me. Thank you. Speak to himself and to God. So if she's up here praying in tongues to God, that's between herself and God. She's not speaking that to you. She's quiet when it comes to a message to you, but she's praying it to God. It literally says keep, her, uh, keep the person quiet, but let them speak it to themselves and God. If it was like literal science and it's con- uh, silence, and it's contradicting itself. It says the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So if I'm speaking to myself and God, yeah, I'm using my voice, but how am I quiet? I'm quiet in the sense of giving you a message. Now look at verse 29. Two or three Father Toms should meet you in the confessional booth and ask you what naughty things you did last week. No, look at literally what it says. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Most churches don't even have one prophet. Where's that prophet at? We're non-prophet. <laughs> We're non-profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Do you get it? We're non-profit around here, guys. No profits here. Okay, well, the Bible literally says there's supposed to be so many, it's like they're coming to the deli, taking a number. Okay, I'm number three today, I'm number two. Because it says two or three should speak at most. Others should then weigh what is said. If a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. So if you need to interrupt with a thus says the Lord right now, you can, but don't do it often. It should only be in the case of like God is really speaking. For you can all prophesy in turn. Watch that again. You can all prophesy in turn. Okay, all. So that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Verse 32, so we don't get weird. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Well, the spirits. Spirit is making me do this and making me do that, and I'm going to take off my clothes. And I'm seriously, it's happened before. We're going to run around the church over and over again while you're preaching, Pastor, because the Lord told me to do that. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. So the Holy Spirit will never make you do anything, no more than the devil would make you do something. Your choice, your faculty will remain. And verse 33, in closing, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all, somebody say, as in all. Thank you, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So let's close with this question. Do you want to join me and live a naturally supernatural life? Let us take serious the things of God. I know it was tough. Thank you for your patience today, a lot of sassiness. But we have a choice to make. As the altar workers come, I want you to see those who are standing up here today as brothers and sisters like you who want to help you to operate in the gifts. They're not perfect at it, but they can help introduce you to the Holy Spirit if you haven't uh, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you're not a Christian yet, they can help you do that. But remember, they're never doing it in place of your relationship with God. All they're doing is simply being what the Bible says, a gift to you. They have gifts. They want to give them to you now. 
So let's just start at the very beginning. How many of you believe God is the creator? How many believe this? God is the creator. He can do a whole lot of cool stuff in this universe. Okay, we're good. Number two, how many believe Jesus died, buried, rose again for your sins? Do you believe that? Amen. If you haven't believed that yet, get saved, believe that, confess that. We'll pray for you. Number three, how many of you have been baptized already in the Holy Spirit? Speaking in other tongues, starting to see the gifts of the Spirit. If not, if not, listen, guys, come on up. It's not like it's, I'm just telling you, it's not like it's like not for you. This is so for you. And don't let other experiences mess with you. I've been a part of those churches too, where they shake you, take, take them, Jesus, touch them, Jesus, fill them, Jesus, let them go, Jesus, help them, Jesus. It's like, what is Jesus doing in me? Is he letting go? Is he taking? Is he holding? Is he running? Is he stopping? I don't know. You're just shaking me a whole lot. Like a lot of times when they come to like to do that, I just go one step back. Okay, pray for me now, please. We're not here to do that. It's, it is a gift from a person called the Holy Spirit. The gift comes from a person. I don't need to force him into you. Like, you're, once again, you're a little spear and he's a little spear and I got to force you guys together today. Big spirit, big spirit just engulf you, come over you today. Fill you today. Change you. Does everybody get the Holy Spirit's place? He's big. He's huge. He's massive. The next thing is that if you're already filled, let's pray for more gifts. How many want to see more gifts this year? You want to see healings. You want to see that. Can I make it happen? Like, like right now, can I be like, I'm going to tell you your future. Now you're all going to believe I can tell the future. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a carnival act here. Okay? And by the way, I've had those kind of people in our church and people get weirded out by it because they don't understand it anyways. Even though I believe that people were gifted, they just went around telling everybody's mail. People were just blown away. You guys have been here for some of that. But that doesn't help you because then what do you think once again? Well, that's, that's Madam Cleo. There goes Bishop so-and-so. I'm never going to be like them. No, today's service wasn't to show you how I can be so awesome at this. Like, watch me ride my unicycle. See how good I am at a unicycle? I can juggle. Now I'm juggling. Listen to me speak in tongues and prophesy over you. No, what I want to do today is introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit so these gifts can flow through you just like my mom had the gifts and called out my mail when I was on drugs living in her house. Just like you can go to your work tomorrow and have some answers and solutions like Daniel got and interpreted dreams and visions. I want this to be so real that it's natural to your life. That's how it was always meant to be. Holy Spirit, let's go to my job. Holy Spirit, let's go take this commute. Holy Spirit, let's go to this barbecue. We're going, Holy Spirit. You have your way. Because today, if you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and gifts are for you. Amen. Can we stand up? Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to pray and dismiss, and then after that, we can go from there. Father, thank you for everyone that came today. We ask that your gifts will flow. Salvation is most important.